Welcome to Equip, tools for navigating real life. Hey, Lena, I am so excited to have you with us today. Welcome to Oklahoma. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. It's been my first time meeting you, and you are so lovely. I oh, just really you. feel so loved and wanted, so thank, thank you. you. You're so yeah. welcome. And now tell everybody how to say your last name. Oh, uh, i got to work on it. I, I need to practice a few times. Abijamra. It's like I be jamming. Abijamra. It's phonetic. It's Lebanese. Okay, I love it. I knew it was thank Lebanese. You. So anyway, welcome. And I want to tell the folks listening that today we're going to, I made the title of the message. And in fact, this dear lady just found out what we're going to be talking about. So Because I got it out of her book, Thrive, which is an awesome book. So, um, so anyway, I know you're well-equipped to answer these questions. But you know what? We're going to title this message, The Selfie Message from Lena. Okay. And it's going to be selfies. We love selfies. I mean, mm, you know, wow. people love to oh, take yeah. selfies. You yep. know what I'm saying? We take them and say, do I look okay? You know, whatever. And then we erase it and say, no, delete that thing. Fix it. Fix it. But uh, the title of this is going to be The Selfies by, by Lena. And so okay. we're going to talk about um, one of the fruit of the Spirit, the selfie of self-control. Mm. And so, uh, single moms today, we're going to be talking about the, se- the selfie of our thought life, the selfie of our spiritual life. And you know what, Lena, I saw on your website, you mentioned as you're a single woman, is sex, is life without sex possible? We're going to talk about the selfie mm-hmm. of sexual desire. Is that possible for a single mom right. to, restrain, to restrain from sex? And we're going to let you talk about it because you are single. So mm-hmm. anyway, so with that being said, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, Let's here we it. go. So first of all, talk to me about the selfie of of our thought life you know how do we live how do these moms live or me included how do we live above our circumstances right. and what do you have to say about that well everything that we struggle with really boils down to what happens between our ears and that space in our brain so our thought life really I feel at the end of the day if you can get a control of your thought life you can control everything else and the way to get control of your thought life obviously is is through submission to God and so but it starts with that it's the mind that really will dictate where you go you know you become what you think and you act based on how you think and so one of the problems as a single woman I mean I found in all of these things that you mentioned that we're gonna get into is that um, it's so easy to get your brain to a place where it's unchecked and where you start off thinking this isn't going to be that bad of a thought pattern and before you know it you're in a pit and you know how it is when you're in that pit it's very hard to get out of it now mm-hmm. the lord will give us throw us ropes mm-hmm. but you get, you get in such a deep dark place in a pit and i believe as a single mom listening you probably feel it even more so because you're under more pressure than even a single person who doesn't have people to care for in their home and excess to worry about and all of the things that come along with that and the strains but I think it starts with saying, God, my mind is under your control and recognizing it. Like there's a truth in Christianity, I think, that we all, we all understand but don't live so well, which is you can know something but not experiencing it. So yes. most of us understand that in Christ we get saved. God takes over our body. Our body is a temple of the spirit. Our minds are indwelt with the spirit. But there's a constant struggle between the flesh and the spirit and a yielding. And this is where I think self-control grows, a yielding to the spirit. And the more you get good at doing that and you get better at doing it by uh, challenges, I think, and right. by opportunities to practice it. And so, of course, when you think of the, of the fruit of self, when you think of self-control in general, the first thought that comes to mind biblically to me is Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and then, the, of course, the, the, the desires of the flesh are listed, and then the fruit of the Spirit. And I've always found it, you know, somebody once taught in church about this, and it sticks with you, but the last one listed is self-control, but if you get self-control, you get all the other yes. ones. Mm-hmm. If you get your brain under control, then you can have joy, and you can be kind to people who aren't deserving of kindness that day but it all starts with this desire to say okay god my body's not my own my mind is not my own this life is not my own and now i yield control really there's such a thing with self-control that's a yielding to the spirit and it happens i think 
in practice. Right. Well, you know what? I love what you said because I find so many of us single moms too, I hope, that we don't realize what we're thinking. We're thinking what we're thinking and we're not aware of what we're thinking. So in the first thought of saying, hey, what am I thinking? Does this fall in line? To well, first have that awareness of what we're thinking. Well, look, I think whether you're a single mom or single like me, I mean, I'm 45. I'll be 46 in April. So I think this helps the listener to sort of get a feel. I was engaged twice. I'll tell you a little bit of my story and sort of maybe give you some understanding of, of even what I feel and what I struggle and how the Lord has met me, which I think will probably help if you're listening and you're like, you know, how can she speak to me? Well, because I, I've been there and I, I, I know that. And so, in fact, when I wrote my book Thrive for Singles, it, I never intended to write. I never thought growing up, oh, I'm going to grow up and write a book for singles. Like, I, you just don't think like that. You just think you're going to get married and live happily ever after. I'm sure people who have one or two or three divorces in their life or more, you don't plan on it, but life happens. And so for me, I think it was one of those situations where after the first engagements ended, I really thought God was going to redeem things for good then. That was 25 years ago. There's a relationship in my life, the guy who was my best friend for 10 years. And I, deep in my soul, I thought he was going to be the guy that God was going to bring sure. back and have my Hollywood ending. And, uh, and, and, and it never happened. Mm -hmm. And so then I started battling a lot of baggage with the Lord. How could God do this to me? And so again, your mind becomes not under, you know, you, you start, I think one of the reasons we aren't under submission to the Holy Spirit in our mind is because we doubt God's love for us when things don't work out the way we think they should. That's true. Mm -hmm. So the difficulty I think about self-control and surrender and trusting God is you have to do it before you see the results of it. But when you do it, you see the results of it. But I'm, it's 25 years later. So then I got engaged another time, 10 years later, that ended. And I think by then I sort of became numb. You know, you sort of build this wall around your heart and feelings. And 80% of your heart functions, but 20% of it, you're so guarded and protected. And anytime I think in those years ensuing, that was back, I think this happened maybe late 2000. So 10 years, in the, la 10, in the last 10 years, I feel like God's given me more and more victory. But I found that in that time, that 20% that I was barricading from God, so to speak, or 10%, or 5% for that matter, Satan has a way, and I think... I think any time I would go through a difficulty, whatever sort of difficulty, it could be a rejection in ministry, like I wanted to get a project done and didn't, or it could be something hard happening at work. I found that I would sort of numb, you know, like it was so easy to sort of revert to that place where I, it was so, like it was always deep down subconsciously, I would be like, well, let's see, it's because I blah, 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 whatever, you know. And so rather than submitting to God in those areas, I started, I would take that painful experience that I was going through and start going down that path of, defeat. Mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. me, a lot of the road of losing self-control, and we're going to talk in a minute about sex, you know, and, and how that plays out for the single person. You might not be sexually active with another person and still be sinning sexually. But in that, what would lead to that, it's all about numbing the pain, mm -hmm. really, at the mm -hmm. end of the day. And so I found that whenever I'd feel that pressure, whether Satan trying to discourage me or God trying to strengthen me and not seeing it, I would just go back to my self-pity. That's where it always started. God, I, why is this like this? I've tried to be faithful. You're not what, why is, why are they doing things that I'm not getting to do? They're marrying the guy that I thought I was going to marry, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, you start falling in that pit and then you start numbing the pain of whatever you're going through with whatever vice you have. Mm -hmm. And you know the vices. I mean, some people watch porn. Some people eat, overeat. Some people exercise like crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people just get out of the house and surf, 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 surf. But you're not satisfied because you're not letting the Lord, you're not yielding in that moment. And so you fall down this back of self-control. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean... So for me, I mean, I've had to learn the hard way. I mean, one of the blessings that God has done is putting people in my life 
be it ministries like Arise or even closer people, my accountability people, my sister for me has been a source of great strength with, of, of just helping me get out of the pit. I think God uses other people. And I pray that today he's using me to help you sort of wake up to the fact that you could be in the deepest pit. And I think the lie in that pit is that I, I can't. I've lost self-control. I've done it so many times that I'm beyond help. God's yes. not going right. to bail me out of this mess. But that's not the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. And that amazes me. It's like, you can't out God. Not that we want to try. I mean, most Christians, you know, most people don't want to, don't plan on a path of, of badness and rottenness. But we find ourselves there, and, and when we lose self-control, the greatest lie is that, man, I'm too bad for God. That's now. right. I'm not worth his love. I'm not worthy. And you almost feel like you got to get better and then come to the Lord. Yes. But that's not love. Yeah. And I, I found so much, the longer you live, the more you understand that despite my, my continual falling in areas, God still loves me and uses me. And you it's almost like you get a better sense of it the older you get because you look back and go, oh, my goodness, I can't yes. believe he's, I can't believe he's <laughs> allowed me to do these things. Like, if you yes. only knew. Yeah. And, and, and he's so patient. Yes, he I is. can't understand how his good he is to I us. I know. Isn't that the truth? Well, you know what? It's true. You know, we, we just need to watch out for the selfie of, and, and of self-control that God has not given us of, what is it, a spirit of, of fear, fear, but of power and love, love and a sound mind. mind. That we, we do have that sound mind to be able to have yeah. self-control in our thoughts. You know, we are some of our thoughts, so it's good to think, you know what, I've, I've got a choice in what I'm thinking, and I'm going to choose to think about something else. And one thing so, to that, I mean, I mean, just to say one last thing to that, I mean, there's a lot that you read. I see so many people posting about the power of positivity and the powers of negativity. I don't think Christianity is even that. Like, mm-hmm. there are days I can't muster enough strength to think positively. Yeah. And... You don't have to. Mm-hmm, right. It's almost like you just have to give room for the Lord, and he'll take care of that. That's right. On days where I feel like that, you know what, Linda? I just say, okay, all I can say is Jesus. Amen. I, if I just say that name, I'm, 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 I'm ushered into his presence and his light, and I can just rest there. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to fix Amen. it. I don't have to lean on my own understanding because it's all corrupted anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, okay, so we've talked about the selfie of thought. So now let's talk about the selfie of spiritual fervor. I mean, all of us want to be in love with the Lord. All of us want to be have this energy and fire and relationship with Christ that you have, you know, um, and I know what the mom's saying. Well, it's easy for her to say she's not at home raising three kids. Right. I mean, so anyway, so I just kind of want to know. Well, well, well. So I mean, let's I mean, talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. How, because do you, how do you find spiritual fervor in your life? And speak that into these things. Well, yeah, right. And, and I, overcome it. I, I, I just had this conversation. I just had this conversation <laughs> with my sister, Diana. And we were talking, I said to her, because I was preparing for the conference here at the Southern, at the BGCO. And, and I, I said to her, I was contemplating so much the Apostle Paul and how he lived that why are some Christians more on fire than others? And we just were kind of analyzing that a bit. And by the way, just one little caveat before I get into that. Uh, I know that single parents are very busy, but honestly, most people would look at my life. I'm a pediatric ER physician, and I have this ministry, and part of the ministry is traveling to the Middle East to help Syrian refugees. So I'm definitely one of the busier people that I know, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in fairness. Right. So, but, of course, it's different still than being a mom, because being a mom, you have, like, almost no life to yourself. Talk about dying to self. That's mm-hmm. the epitome of dying to self. And so, so, anyway, just to say, though, I understand to a certain degree. I think being a doctor helps you understand to a certain degree, because as a doctor, you can't be like, oh, I'm tired today. I can't take care of this kid. You're on a shift. you got to stay until the kid is... Mm-hmm out of the ER. And so, so there is that sense of self-sacrifice that happens. But, you know, but going back to spiritual fervor, 
you know, my sister and I were talking about this idea, and she had heard a sermon by Colin Smith, a very sound Bible teacher from the Chicago area, and and he had, and I went back and listened to the sermon, and and he made this point from John three sixteen, and he walks through John three sixteen, and then seventeen and eighteen, and he talks about how you uh, do what you love, and you love what you do, and why we don't love the light. And he's talking about people who are walking in the darkness. Why does the world? Why weren't they open to Jesus? Why did they reject him? Because they loved the darkness. Why did they love the darkness? Because their deeds were evil, and so the more you do evil deeds, the more you're gonna love evil deeds. The more you're gonna not want Jesus. And so the way, I mean, as simple as. The simplest, I mean, it's funny because it's counterintuitive because you're busy and you're stretched. And so the last thing on your agenda is spending time with God and doing things that are going to blow up your fervor, you know, like, like, like fanning a flame, yes. with a, you know, and so, and yet that's, those are the very things, reading your Bible, praying, pray, the simple prayer. People tell me I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I don't know how to deal with, pray. But it's, and I know from being lonely, it takes a mountain experience to be like, I'm going to pray. Like, I'll try everything else in yeah, the world. And I'm like, busy, go shopping. what is wrong right. with me? Like, all I need to do is get on my knees and pray and why do I put it off and the minute I do it I have this freedom and so the things that you feed you're gonna love and it's that simple when we used to go to camp as a teenager I remember that was when God really sort of got a hold of my heart I was saved but not really like on fire like I am now and um and we used to have a joke at camp, our camp director. Would, it wasn't really a joke, but it was like tongue-in-cheek. But he would, what, we, we then became counselors, and it was scary for us because we were like 18, 19, and we had these kids in our cabins. We didn't know who we were going to get, and I'm not naturally a counselor. <laughs> and so they would do this week of orientation as if a week of orientation is going to help you find any Deal sort of answer. Yeah, but, yeah. but he was like, he would always joke that, okay, if you run out of options, just tell them, read your Bible and pray every day. <laughs> and so it was like sort of this run-in joke, like read your Bible and pray every day. And now, as a, as a middle-aged person, I think about life, and I think... Man, so many of our problems would be resolved if we would just read our Bible and pray every day. Yes, absolutely. And part of that in, in developing spiritual fervor, it really is a choice, just like everything is. Everything in life, yeah. and tell your kids, everything in life is about a choice you make because we've learned that as adults. It's about a choice. Well, we have a choice. Well, in the and I mean, personally, I'll tell you, my mom came to Christ in, as a college kid. She was a Lebanese, actually, she's Palestinian. I mean, just to give you an example of. So, so she w was a refugee from Palestine to Lebanon, came to Christ as a college kid, rejected by her family for that uh, at the time. They're you know, more accepting with time, but still resistant to that. So she marries my dad, who was not a follower of Christ, and he was a surgeon in Lebanon, and this, an 150% surgeon, meaning never home, always in the mm -hmm. hospital. She felt like she was a single mom. And do you know that the biggest reason I am what I am today is watching her? And I think back, she had four kids, all she had a miscarriage at four kids in five in a five-year period, and had a, a business that was she thankfully didn't have to be at her pharmacy all the time, but she was basically she was able to um, ha, you know be with the home, but she had work. I mean she had a lot on her plate. All this to yes. say, I remember to this day, and I still to this day I go visit her. She wakes up in the morning and opens the word. And at the time I remember she used to sometimes couldn't do it in in the morning and there was a time in the mid-morning when we, she would go to her room and shut the door and she was like you guys can tear the house down and we never did because right. kids know I mean at the end of the day but, but we knew what she was doing <laughs> yes in that room that's awesome and that model yes. has shaped me that's so awesome so, so a word to the single moms like they never underestimate what God will do with you so worry, like, you know, sometimes you get so caught up with, oh, they're doing so much more in ministry than I am. Am I serving the Lord enough? I can't get anything. Else. Do not underestimate the power of you sitting on a chair, opening your Bible, and worshiping the Lord for five minutes a That's day. That's right. You know, I love that because, you know, the power of example is so huge. Moms, listen, above all things, and Alina would agree with me, you need to know this, you 
matter, mm -hmm. exclamation point. You matter in that home. God has given you those children. He could have given to anybody else. He gave them to you. He's charged you with the responsibility, and all you need to do is be the example, and God will take care of everything else. Amen. So I love that, that you brought up the mm -hmm. example of your mother. That is yeah. so beautiful. You know, just be the example. How, how do you continue to be the example? Where do I learn how to be example? Well, where do we learn how to be an example? Well, I mean, you learn in the Word of God. I mean, this is cost, this is this is how relationships happen in Scripture. I mean, you look at Paul bringing up Timothy. You look at even Abraham and Lot. Lot was a mess. He was one hot mess, and yet Abraham never gave up on him. And there's this sort of, you know, this partnership that happens in this, this mentorship. I think this is what happens in Arise. I think you're. This is why you do what you do. I mean, this is so typical of of how discipleship. This is the This is why Jesus leaves. You know, rises from the dead and has a few meetings with his disciples and leaves them with one word. Go and make disciples. You know, right. he doesn't say go and start blogs. He doesn't say go and write books. He says go and make disciples. Yeah. And I think we forget that. And you do it one-on-one -on -one over time. Yeah, that's right. Simple. I love that. You know, how do you set an example? How do I learn how to be an example? <laughs> go to the Arise Ministries Education Center Amen. and listen to podcasts just like this. And we we are learning right along with you. And uh, some of us have gone before you as single moms and feel like we have a few things to help you with. So, And, and what, honestly, it's that. Take I mean, advantage I, of I this education I think about the examples center. in my life. I mean, yesterday somebody asked me a question. Who do you... Who, 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 who do you read? And, and, and really, I think about a lot of what I teach and a lot of what I think, and it is really set by what I listen to mm -hmm. and what I, I mean, even sure when you is. don't have time to, I do these now, it's interesting, on my, on my site, I know people are short of time, so we started doing this Bible study teaching on our site too, it's called Morning Minutes, and it, we go through a book of the Bible, get five-minute segments, that's it. I love five that, I love that. It's brilliant. Everybody has, exactly. Everybody has five minutes. Everybody has five minutes, and five minutes can infuse you with power. Yeah. Infuse you with power, change your thought life, put you on the right mm -hmm. path for the day. So thanks for that word. You know, we've talked about the selfie of your thoughts, that you are some of your thoughts. You get to choose what you think. You know, don't ever say, you know, I don't have any choices. You do have choices. And so we've talked about the selfie of thought, yeah. the selfie of spiritual fervor. And so, you know, Lena, I when I read that on your website that uh, life, what did you say, uh, life, what did you say? You don't need life? sex to survive? Or yeah, like or something, can I actually live without sex or something like that? I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask her about that. We're going to address that because... Uh, because you're single yeah, and you're living yeah. through that yourself. So so the question is, as we talk about the selfie, exercising the selfie of sexual desire. So tell me this. Is it possible to exercise that? Honestly, you know, you're a single woman. And, um, you know, so answer that question for these single Yeah, moms. I think, um, well, first, I do get a lot of chances to talk about this because I do a lot of talks to singles. And I, so I, I, and I write about it very openly in my book, Thrive, in terms of this, this whole struggle. And there's different people struggle with different aspects of, of their sex life. And I think it's, honestly, in fairness, I, I've never been sexually active with another person. So there is some protection that happens with that in that I think once you are, that it's easier maybe to fall back in a pattern and start dating someone. You're like, well, I've done it before, why? But, but, but it's wrong, and it leaves you leaving empty, uh, feeling empty and I think God intended it to be this way because he has a plan for our sexuality and so part of submission part of like controlling the mind is again if you're a follower of Christ what that means is you have submitted your life to God and his word and so so you know you you might line up 10 people who think 10 different things about the you know, how people should practice sexuality, but if you're a Christian, you have one source and authority, it's the Word of God. And so God gives us some advice, but more than advice, some commands about sex and some thoughts, and He does it because He knows what it, what's best for us. Now, you know, 
we all recognize it's a struggle because we're also human, but, which, by the way, in the perfect world, back when he created in Adam and Eve and Eden, I mean, it was very simple. He made a man, he made a woman, he said, have sex and procreate. I mean, that was, that was, in essence, their job. So imagine, God's like, that's what I want you to do. God is not ashamed to talk about sex. He created it. He gave this pleasurable thing for people. We, then sin happened, and now we all suffer because of it. And so I think for the single person, I think, and particularly in 2018, we are in a very, very sexual context and culture right now. To the degree that many things that were like big deals before are not a big deal now. So you watch, I remember watching things on TV and feeling like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I saw this. And now it's like on the seven o'clock TV. Like it's just, so we're so desensitized. We mm -hmm. hear stories about, so there's a part of us that doesn't even think something that's bad is bad. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back sometime. I'm an ER doctor, so I hear it all. And you become so jaded to it. And the thing about sexual activities in all of its spectrum from bad thought life, to masturbating, to having sexual intercourse with someone, to having partial sexual intercourse with someone, however long the spectrum you want it to be, to same-sex attraction. Which I think all of this is under this one big umbrella of, I'm going to do this my way, not God's way. At the end of the day, that's what sexual sin is, saying, God, I'm not sure I trust your way. This feels too good to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem with sex is that it does feel good in the short time, if, I mean, or sex outside of, of, of God's context. Now, what's ironic, and you know that there's you know some sin involved in that you talk to anyone who's gotten married and what's one of the top three things that married people struggle with it's mm -hmm. having sex with each other you're like all you wanted to do before you got married is have sex and now he didn't even want to see touching the person and so you know that satan is using this whole battle with sexuality mm -hmm. to get us all like confused and it's not that confusing right god wants us to have sex within the context of marriage so now people talk about boundaries some people talk about well how much how far can you go and and i go back to saying how close do you want to be to the lord mm -hmm. how what kind of relationship do you want with the Lord? We're going back to, what are you feeding, the flesh or the spirit? And so it's very easy to be like, well, I've never had some sex with someone, so I'm so holy. But in reality, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. This is from Jeremiah 17. And so even as a Bible teacher, I can tell you, first of all, I'll tell you this. The struggle is always... It doesn't stop. I mean, mm -hmm. it used to be you thought, well, if I got to be 50, I won't struggle with this stuff anymore because you go through menopause. And now we've got 80-year-old men calling for Viagra. Like, just like, this is just a fact <laughs> of our life. But, but you go back to who is in control of your selfie. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you trust God in his ways or not? And, and, and every sexual sin that we do is really rebellion against God and his ways. And what you were saying before, a disbelief that God really loves me. So trying to find some form of comfort in that physical relationship that really leaves us empty if it's outside of right, God's context. Right. And you know what I've discovered, too, is we've visited with single moms that, that the, the brute problem, if you could tear down to the root, it's that sense of validation. I need mm -hmm. to be validated. I need to feel like I'm, 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 I'm attractive, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, that I'm attractive to somebody. And so it really is, a, in a lot of ways, a sense of validation. And But, you know, I want you to talk to the mom out there who is listening says, I'm guilty. All right, yeah. I'm sexually active right now. I'm trying to break away right. from it. And I'm so guilty. I'm about ready to turn off this body. Wait, wait, don't, yeah, don't, don't, turn don't, it don't turn yet. it off just yet. Address, address the mom that's feeling horribly guilty that she either has been or currently is sexually yeah. active. You know, because, yeah, yeah. Uh, would you address that? Guilt is, um, by the way, there's a difference between guilt and shame. I think it's important to talk about that for a minute. I think the Spirit of God uses our guilty conscience to get our attention. So, so if you're guilty... The Spirit of God might be moving in your heart to repent, and that's a gift. The repentance is a, truly, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So don't, you know, don't get mad when you feel guilty. But the problem is most of us don't stop at feeling guilty and repenting. We quickly go into shame. 
And shame makes everything worse, because now you really feel like, before, so you get into this question of validation, so you're having sex because you want to be validated, but now you've sinned, so now you don't even think that God who could love you loves you, because now you're, you're and, and if you're a Christian, you should know better, so now you're not just a bad person, you're a Christian who's a bad person, which means you know God, and, and it's just like, it can get this like massive smorgasbord of wrong thinking, and I love, you know, it's funny, there's so many people that say things, I love Joyce Meyer once had a book that says, God's not mad at you. And, and I would take it a step further and just remind, I have a keychain that I made once, and it says, God is always for you. And the first thing I would say, if you're listening and you're feeling, whether it's guilt or shame, to stop and say, listen, God is still always for you. He hasn't changed. He doesn't stop mm-hmm. loving you because you've sinned. And it's, this is so easy for us to understand humanly, but somehow we can't translate it. And if you're a single mom, you understand it. My nephews are in that teenage years. They live, like, they're like my kids. They're like down the, two miles down the street. I see them. I see their life, the struggles, and my sister's trying to bring them up and all that. And, and there are days when you just want to, like, throw them outside the house. And, <laughs> and yet, and yet, in spite... Does she hate them? No, she loves, loves them. them. Unconditionally, she loves she, them. It's, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense some days, but she can't help it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and God says in Isaiah, I think, 49-ish, he says that as, as a woman can forget her, the children that she bore, and, and yet I will never forget you. Your names are written on the palms of my, my hand. That's you who's listening right now. That's you. It doesn't matter what you've done. You cannot outsend God. His grace is so deep. But do you want the full Christian life? Do you want, and frankly, I think you could be even living in a pattern of sin and still believe Christ died for you and end up with Christ in heaven. Like, I really believe in God's grace to that degree. But do you want abundance? Yeah. Do you want joy? Do you want freedom? And I think the greatest motivation to repent for me has been, and just going through struggles. And by the way, you don't ever, like, you'll go through, I'll go through years sometimes where I'm living in victory, but then I'll have a season where I'll fall back into patterns of, of sin, where I'm like, why do I go back to that? And, you know, for me, it's in my thought life, and it's in just feeding the flesh in different ways. And and then you hate yourself, and then you're like, God, I just don't want to talk to you. But but you you do because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so it's almost like you can't help yourself but come back to God. And I think really that's him. It's like he's throwing you a rope. I love that verse in Psalms where he says, you know, where he talks about being in the pit and the Lord got him out of the pit. And I I see that happen in my life so much. Honestly, I think this podcast is that to someone who's listening today. It's, It's the Lord using us to just remind you, man, God loves you so much. God wants you to live freedom. It's never too late to turn to God. It is never too late to repent. The biggest lie in us changing is, I've tried this a million times and I failed. And uh, try again, because God is on your side, That's and he's right. going to help you get the victory. You are so wise, girl, girlfriend. You are so wise. You know what? I like to think sometimes that, that God is my heavenly parent. So he's my parent. So, so if, um, if, if your child, and you're the parent, if your child came and says, Mom, I have sinned, I have robbed a bank, and um, also I am pregnant. As a mother, what would you do? Would you kick him out the door? Would you say, get out of here, you're not my child anymore? No, you'd probably say, honey, this is a difficult thing. I love you anyway. We're going to work through this. I understand that. I'm not perfect either, but I love you unconditionally. You would. That's your child. So we can come to God and say, God, I messed up. I'm falling into this again. We can embrace his love. We can, don't you think so? That that we can just remember that he he has a welcome mat in front of that throne that says, come to me. You know what With I love everything. about, and you know what I love about God's word is, I mean, this is so, I mean, everybody talks about it if you hang around church enough, but the reality of it is shocking is that 
almost every one of his people who he uses as primary examples for us, almost everyone, I mean, Pope's probably the exception, but almost every one of them is this major goofball that fell into sin over and over again. You know, like Abraham gets called and like in the next verse, he fears and goes to Egypt. And Lot, Lot is like righteous, called righteous Lot. How? How can a guy who, he's the one who had sex with his daughter, like, he can sense how God's word is. Samson is like a sexual hot mess and God uses him to defeat more Philistines in that last moment, mean, just meaning that God had forgiven him and restored him to his calling and it's mm -hmm. just moving and touching and it's I, I think this is again going back and I think this is probably the heartbeat of, of a message that I would have to single is this, this reminder like if we could just believe how deeply God loves us we'd be free that's right mm -hmm. we in the lie I think Satan's lie is that is to keep us from thinking that he loves us and we can come up with a list of pages of thinking here's why he doesn't love me and and listen those are lies God loves us he sees Christ in us mm -hmm. he, my favorite illustration and I'm sure we're coming to the end of this but my favorite illustration I've ever given in a sermon that I think is just so powerful is the story of a woman who uh, loses uh, her child in a car accident. So she has a teenage girl, she loses her in a car accident. The only redeeming factor is her heart is saved. And they take the heart and there's a girl across town who's the same age and needs a heart and she's dying of heart failure. And they take the heart of the girl who died in a tragic accident and they put it in the heart of the woman who was dying of, of the heart disease. And a year passes and the mom of the daughter who, was, who died has this inkling, you know, and the hospital allowed her. She says, I really would like to meet that woman at the end of the day. At the first year, she was grieving, and then she decided to. So they said, okay, they set it up, and the woman was still rehabbing and whatnot. And one day, uh, that mom shows up to the house of the woman, and she walks in, and, and the woman was resting in the bed. And, and the mom comes up to the woman who had received the heart of her daughter. And the mom comes over and sits by her bedside, and it's such an emotional moment, and she's sobbing and crying. And, she, and, and the story goes that she puts her hand on the scar where the heart was received, and she just starts crying and crying, you know, in this bittersweet, and, and, and it, Max Lucado wrote this story in one of his books, and, and as Max Lucado does so well, he says, what do you think the mother, who do you think the mother was thinking in that moment when she had her mm -hmm. hand on the heart of, of the oh, recipient? That's an amazing story. It is an amazing oh. story, and such a picture mm -hmm. of salvation. Yes, I love We that. forget that Christ sees, God sees Christ in us, and mm -hmm. it's just a powerful picture. Every time I wonder, does God really like me? I think, okay, fine, he has to love us, but does he like me? God doesn't see this way. He sees Christ in us and absolutely loves us. Yes, I love that. You know what? These have been such wonderful words of encouragement. And as I was thinking, I just, it popped in my mind a moment down, so I wrote it down real quick. I just want to end with saying that, that speaking of selfies, God has taken a selfie of you. And, you know, uh, yes, we see it's like a polar, the old Polaroid camera comes out. And it's, you know, it's, it's in process. It's in progress. But we see ourselves in progress, in process, but God sees the finished picture. And, and uh, we, it, it, the finished picture, for those of us that have received Christ, are princes with crowns on our head as we walk through the process. You are valuable. You are dearly loved. Uh, your selfie sitting before God's throne is beautiful, and we just want to invite you to just turn to Him and let Him have His way Amen. with 100% of who you are because your children are watching, and uh, you can invest the best of you in them. So, girlfriends, you go out there and do that today. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's been great. <clears throat> Thanks has. for this, this podcast. Come back to Oklahoma, and we'll do a second one. I'm a regular soon? here. Okay, <laughs> that's that awesome. great. Thank you so Bye, much. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to an Equip podcast. To find out more about Arise Ministries or resources offered for single moms, visit www.ariseministries.net.